Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, please. This evening, we're going to speak on the doomsday clock. Um, some years ago, it must have been about, I don't know, four years ago maybe, when we were on the driving at night, and I brought a little thought on the doomsday clock, and Andrew remembered it and said to me about it, but it was it was David that said to me, David Allen said to me a few weeks ago, do you remember you spoke on a doomsday clock at a drive-in? I, I forgot about it, but he reminded me. I said, yeah, but I couldn't tell you what I said, to be honest. And he says, I'd like to hear more on it. So I've left it and prayed about it for a few weeks, and this is where we are this evening. So you can blame David Allen. Uh, it was his fault. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, please. And we're going to read the first 11 verses. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he hath set the world in their heart, so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the ministry and song for the the group who sang and played their instruments and in faithfulness, Lord, have been in your house to do so. We thank you, Father, for Frida's ministry and Willie's ministry and song. And Lord, our hearts are cheered and lifted by it. We thank you for all your people you have brought out this evening. And we pray, Lord, tonight that you would speak to our hearts and bless each and every one of us. Lord, if conviction of heart is needed, Lord, then would you convict the heart. Lord, if a a word to strengthen is needed, then would you strengthen the heart or whatever you deem it fit to do. And Father, tonight we think of the youth and all the leaders and the teachers which are down in the building in Guildford having their service tonight. We ask you, Lord, that whatever is said to them tonight in their service, may it reach their hearts. And if any of their unsaved friends are there, we pray that you would save them. Pray, Lord, you protect them and bless them there and encourage each and every one of them. For those, Lord, who are with us here and, uh, Lord, those who are watching or now, live or later, we pray your hand to be on them also. So, Father, settle us now in your presence as we open up this word. We pray that your spirit, he would move again from seat to seat and heart to heart. And we thank you for the word to our hearts this morning. But now we pray, Father, that you would take your word again tonight and do with it as only you can do. 
For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. The English word time, T-I-M-E, is mentioned in your King James Version of the Bible some 619 times. The first mention of the word time is found in Genesis chapter 4 and in verse 3 where it speaks of the first offerings that are brought before Yahweh, Jehovah, God. Genesis 4 and verse 3 it says, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord or unto Yahweh. This is when God did not have respect for Cain's offering, but had respect to Abel's offering. Cain's offering was that of his hands, the work of his labors, and Abel's was the blood of the lamb. That's what Willie's saying, isn't it? There's still power in the blood of the lamb. There was a time in this day, in Genesis chapter 4, there was a time when both of them, Cain and Abel, would stand before God. Cain might watch the fruit of the ground as it would grow and labor with his hands and till the soil and whatever else needed to be done. And as it's growing, he would think to himself, I'm sure, one day I must stand before God. One day I must stand before God. Do you ever think like that? One day you will stand before God. Believer, do you know that one day you will stand before God? Paul tells us it's called the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ, to give an account of the things that we have done in the body, whether they are good or whether they are evil. We will not be lost, but we might lose, lose reward. And all of us will stand before God. The sinner, the unsaved, the unconverted will stand before God. And maybe someone here this evening, and I seem to know everyone here tonight, but maybe there's one that I'm not really picking up on as my eyes are glancing over. And maybe you're not saved. You're not right with God. There will be a time when you will stand before Him. Cain knew that one day, one time, he would stand before God. But here, I wonder, did he say, one day I will stand before God, but today, I'm okay. Today, I don't need to worry about it. I don't need to think about it, nor be concerned of it. And that's the thoughts and hearts of many, many people. Yeah, maybe one day I will stand before God, but they don't truly, honestly, really believe it with all of their hearts. Even many believers, for they live life as if God doesn't exist. One day I'll stand before God, but not today. For today I'm okay. Today I'm all right. And that is until that day comes upon us and maybe comes upon us unawares. Are you ready? Friend, tonight, are you ready? 
brothers and sisters tonight, are you ready to stand before the Lord? Would you be ashamed, brother? Would you be ashamed, sister, to stand before the Lord? But today I'm okay. It isn't the time yet. Well, you don't know that, and neither did Cain. And I will be okay because, look, what I have done with my hands. Look, even at the church I went to. Look, I went to Christ Encounters Tabernacle to a mission, to a meeting, and it will add up to nothing like a row of beans. Nothing will count on that day but the blood of the Lamb. Notice this. Some might say it's okay. And time seems like it will go on forever. We're going to look before we talk about the doomsday clock because it's important before we run into, I'll let you know all about it in a moment. There are three Hebrew words I want to look at and it speaks of time. Three Hebrew words. And it took me nearly half a day to work them out to the best I could. I'm sure there are others who could do a better job than myself, but it took me half a day to work out uh, the very context behind these Hebrew words. And so we'll look at them in a few moments. The last mention of the word time is found in Revelation 22 and in verse 10. And this is what it says, And he said unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Notice, The time is at hand. And we go into the Greek text here is the word kairos. The time is at hand. Notice the Lord is saying, don't seal the prophecy of the book in John's day. For the time is from now. Many, many people in theology, they close up the book and it's way down the road somewhere. They put it to another time. But here it says... For the time is at hand in John's day. The kairos. And the kairos can mean a period of time too, but it gives the idea of coming closer to a happening in time. A happening in time. Let me give you a a brief example. So we are living in time. You and I are under the sun, as the book of Ecclesiastes says, and all of the things, there's a time to every purpose under the heaven. Whenever it says a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, and we could go on. There's actually 30 times there in those 11 verses. But it's all life. Between the first verse, a time to be born and a time to die. And all the other times are in between. We are living in a period of time. But in that period of time, we have appointed seasons. Time to be born, time to die, time to plant so we are planting, time to pluck up so we are plucking up, time to sow and so forth. We have appointed seasons. And then we have another time. It is the actual happening. So we're living life and we're all going about our day and daily business. We all have our appointed seasons. Some are having a good season. Some, well, not so good. Some terrible. But nevertheless, we're all in time and we're all having the appointed season. 
But then there's coming the appointed happening of the time. For example, you might have a hospital appointment. You're in time, you're in all appointment seasons, and suddenly the happening of the date is there. You're sitting before the doctor, you're getting the report, you're hoping it's good news. That's the, the kairos, and the, that's the, the Greek kairos, and, and the Hebrew word for it is ether. And it means an epoch of time, something that speaks deep right now. When a doctor says to you, it's bad news, that's an epoch of time. The appointment has come. And we all think we have loads of time because we're in different seasons in our life. But there's an appointed time when we will all stand before him. And that day will come individually to us. Or unless he comes, we will all see him. And what an epoch of time it will be. So notice this. It says, see not the prophecies or the sayings of this book, for the time, uh, the, the, the right critical moment, the very happening in time is from now, it says, in Revelation chapter 22 and in verse 20. Notice here, if you will, this is to do with an unfolding of the prophetic utterances of the book of Revelation. And look, you see, history is time, past Future is time we're moving into. Present is that moment we are in. But every second that you're sitting here is going into eternity. It won't come back again. We're going through time. And every second in the presence you're here, you're in the present. But by the next second, you're already in that future sense. And history has already happened. We're continually in present. We're continually going through past. And we're now entering into the future. Every second, every heartbeat that you're sitting in your seat. When we sing, we go by timing. And that will never return again. It's gone into eternity. We're passing through time. With all these seasons, another meeting tonight. One this morning. Great word from the pastor. Time of worship. Brought around the table by Andrew. But it's gone into eternity. And now in the present, that second is now in eternity again. We're moving toward the very epoch of time, the ether, when we will stand before God. How many more of those moments do we have? We do not know we are not afforded to know that time. Take note of this. See, history is prophecy foretold. Only God can do that. See future, see all these fortune tellers, the Bible says to stay away from them. You're entering into a a realm where it's other spirits, demonic spirits. Fortune tellers and palm readers tell your future around the crystal ball and all of that sort of stuff. Sitting with the the Ouija board, it's it's all demonic. It's all off the, the dark occult forces. Other spirits behind it. The only one who can tell the future is the Lord himself. Hence in his prophetic book, he says, now here's the word. Don't seal it. 
because it's coming from here on in time. So history is prophecy foretold because we enter into that time and it becomes history. It happens just as God says. It happens just as God had uttered it through the apostles and the prophets before. History is, is prophecy. Uh, prophecy is history foretold and, and history is prophecy fulfilled. It's all, full, all of this being fulfilled through time. And we're going on along and we're coming closer and we're coming closer to what the doomsday clock says is doomsday. But doomsday for who? The period here in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, the word time, used 30 times in the 11 verses. The Hebrew word that is used here is the word yom. For example, in the, in the period of creation, it can be used as the yom of time. It can be used as the 24 hours, Literally. Or it can be used at any length of a period of time or even a very long period of time. An age can be a yom. So the time that we're all living in is the yom. That's the idea of it. It's all the yom. This big period of time. Look into the coming of the Lord. Many of us have been to the cross and washed on the blood, trusting in Christ. And now we're all looking and we're waiting, but we're all in our seasons in our lives. And see that word for season. To everything there is a season. It's a period of time. And that word there is the word zemon. Z-E-M-A-W-N in the English rendering. Zemon. And it means to have an appointment of a season time. To everything there is a season. And you're through seasons. And we're all in time. Outside of time is eternity. And so this word time comes up and comes up. And the word season is the word zimon. Now notice this. Time is the word. Let me read the verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Each time, there's a different word for time or yom. But I want you to see this. The word time here, to everything there is a season, a a zemon, an appointed time, a appointed period in our lives. Things that we do, and we're all doing different things at different times, but we're all in time. To everything there is a season and a time. Notice this. To every purpose under the heaven. In other words, it gives the idea that we're heading toward a a time in AF. A-Y-T-H, and A-F, that is a, a time and an event of the happening now. So everything that happens, he says, there's a purpose behind it. Calvary was the greatest purpose in time. The blood of Jesus was the greatest purpose in time. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus was the greatest purpose of time. And he's coming again. It's the purpose of time. Take note of this. There's a time in Aeth to be born and a time in Aeth 
to die. I can show you, well, I think I can show you. I might have to go and get a new one. My birth certificate. Well, well my father knows right down there. <laughs> and then you can show your birth certificate, and there's where you were born and when you were born and your, your date of birth. There it is. There's a time to be born. It was a happening. Wherever that was, it was a happening. It was called an eighth. And a Fulfilled appointments, like going to the dentist or the doctors and the time comes and you're in their very surgery. Three o'clock and three... Well, well, I don't know why you're going to get in time or not, but it's meant to be three o'clock. And it comes at three o'clock and you're before them. The AF, you call it. The AF of time. And you had an AF when you were born. But there's coming a time, an eighth of time, when we will all leave this scene. Time to die. I came with his fruit of the ground comes before the Lord, knowing that there's coming a time, it's sure it's not today, and suddenly... It's the time to bring the offering. Abel, he's just watching a lamb come along. He says, this is what the Lord requires. I'll just do as I'm told. I'll come by God's way. And he comes and he offers up the blood of a lamb. There was a, an earth of time. Where would you be if it was yours? Notice, if you will, in Ephesians chapter 5 and in verse 16. The Apostle Paul says, redeeming the time, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Now, in this word time is again in the Greek, kairos, and it means redeeming, the, this, there's an epoch-making opportunity. That's what Paul's saying here. There's an epoch-making opportunity. It gives the idea of a right and critical moment. And Paul's saying, redeem it. Now let me explain this to you. Redeeming the time does not mean to make the best use of our time, although we should. We should. But it means to take advantage of every opportunity of time you have. Big difference. Take and make the best of every opportunity that presents itself to you for the kingdom of God and of Christ. You've been born at this time. You've been placed in this generation or the yom. And God had an appointment for you at that time. That is a place, a zimon. So take advantage of every season you are in. While we're all traveling this road, while we're all above the sod, while we're all able, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And let the redeemed of the Lord serve Him. Take every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity to reach out for the Lord. To serve the Lord. Take note of this as well. Take advantage of it. Redeem it, it means. And make count, make account for the kingdom and the glory of God. It is an opportunity for you 
to stand for the word of God in this evil day in which we live. And it's an opportunity for you to speak well of Christ and to show forth his mercy and his grace and his wonders and speak of his wonderful sacrifice in Calvary and the shedding of his blood and the resurrection again of Christ from the dead. Take every opportunity, brothers and sisters. Make the most of it when you're speaking to people. If you're not saved tonight, let this be a kairos, an opportunity for you to get right with God. For you know not when God will say, you will stand before me tonight. Like the man who says, had a great crop, and he says, I'll, I know what I'll do. I'll pull down my barns and build bigger. And standing back and looking at it all, he says, wow, what a great thing I've done here. That's what he's saying. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Plenty of time. But God said unto him, Thy fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. It was the time. And he didn't take his opportunity to get right with God. Take your opportunity to serve him. Take your every opportunity. Take every advantage of it. To love him. But you take an opportunity if you don't know him tonight to get to know him. Redeeming the time, Paul says, because the days are evil. And just to touch on this before I move on, the word evil here is the word poneros. Poneros. And it means to have a very harmful effect on on or influence on someone. To have a, a very harmful effect or influence. It means it can, something can be insidious, injurious, and destructive, deadly, or fatal. And Paul is saying, redeem that. Take every opportunity. Grasp hold of it. Lay hands on it. Listen, we are living in evil days. Very evil days. We have insidious governments, injurious politicians. We have men and women who are having a very harmful effect and influence on our children, on our teenagers on our loved ones. And Paul says, we as the church need to take every opportunity to redeem them. If you have a, there's a person in your workplace, there's a person in your home, or there's a person where you are down the street and you bump into them tomorrow, that's your opportunity. Take it. Oh, but they might laugh at me. So What? Take it. Wherever they are, it's the time. Listen, sometimes, you know, even the ungodly can be more aware of the day and hour that we're living in than some Christians. Hollywood. Or should I call it Hollyweird? Or should we call it Hollywood? Or just Hollyweird? have for years been putting it out in movies and in programs. They've been putting it out 
programming the minds of the masses. This is what's coming. How do they know? Because they're in with all the elitists. They're in all of those satanic uh, groupings that get together and have all of these wild, insidious and wicked parties. They know. And so they put forth movies of disasters. They keep telling us there's disasters coming, there's disasters coming. Then there's climate change coming, there's climate change coming. Then there's a disease coming, there's disease coming. There's war coming, world wars coming. Aliens are coming, aliens are coming. Isn't that what we get? Know what it does? It's programmed us. And now when we hear of it, we think nothing of it. And we'll accept it. Do you know who's coming? The Lord Jesus Christ is coming. Christ is coming. Sometimes the ungodly seem to be more aware of the den hour in which we live in. Many professing Christians are missing it. The doomsday clock, for example, we'll look at it, is not a fundamentalist Christian preacher's idea or notion, but a scientific measure of what is happening in the world and the prognosis of the fate of mankind should things continue the way they are going. In other words, they get together and they put on it the doomsday clock as the doomsday of the world. I used to laugh at a wee man in Belfast. Used to, I, he'd done it before I was born, but I remember when I was young, walking through Belfast, you know, with, wasn't a sandwich board, it was one of them aprons on. We're all doomed type of thing, you know. And I used to laugh at him. It would all be judged by God and everybody. And he ran about with a megaphone. Just walked about with a megaphone. Everybody made fun of him. And everybody laughed at him. But now, now we're seeing it coming to pass. Now we're living in it. We're in the time. Three things about the doomsday clock because time's marching on. Three things. First of all, What is the doomsday clock? What is the doomsday clock? Secondly, who is it who decides what time it is on the doomsday clock? Who decides the time? And thirdly, how do they decide the time it is for the clock? First of all, What is the doomsday clock? Well, according to the bulletin of the atomic scientists, the doomsday clock is a design that warns the public about how close we are to destroying our world with dangerous technologies of our own making. It is a metaphor, a reminder of the perils we must address if we are to survive on the planet. Now, that's the world saying that. That's worldliness and that. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters, in this, just for a second. And I'm writing this, by the way, from the bulletin of the Atomic Scientist. You can look it up and read it yourself. Let me just say something here. Why is it that they're saying that the, the people are destroying it with their own technologies, everything's happening because of the people, and yet when it all goes wrong, they blame God? 
Why is that? They blame the Lord. They said it's a metaphor, a reminder of the perils we must address if we are to survive on the planet. I have something to tell them. They're not going to survive on the planet no matter what they do. The Lord's coming back and he will set up his kingdom. There will be a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. And who will be on the planet? Who will be throughout the solar systems to heaven and back again? The redeemed of the Lord will be surviving. None else. The blood washed. Remember walking some years ago through Belfast City Centre and this man comes up. He says, excuse me, he has clipboard and he had like a some sort of jacket on him and advertising here and he says, Excuse me, and I said, yes, how can I help you? He says, would, would you like to give, he says, a direct debit every month, he says, because we want to save the planet. <laughs> you imagine him come to me and saying that, could you? <laughs> so this is what I said to him. I said, friend, do you want me to tell you what's wrong with the planet? He says, no. I says, well, I'm going to. So he said, no. Let me tell you what's wrong with the planet. The planet is groaning and it is in travail. All creation groaneth, Paul says. You know what for? Waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Waiting for the Savior to come. For you and I to receive our new bodies. Our glorified bodies. In our glorified state. And now if I thought he was mad, by the time I'd finished, he thought I was crazy. (laughs) And what is wrong with our planet It's not because of your cows in the field, by the way, and I don't want to be crude. The elitists are flying about over the place in their airplanes, in their Lear jets, hundreds of them, and they're telling you that you have to get rid of your cows? Is there something wrong with our head? Yes. (laughs) Do you know what's wrong with the planet? It's called sin. It's called sin. It's called sin. That's what's wrong with the planet. When Adam fell, everything fell. But when Christ came, he redeemed us to himself. When Christ came, he paid the debt not only of our sins, not only of our sickness. Do you know what he done? He bought the whole world. And he's coming back and he's going to renovate it. It's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Brothers and sisters, this metaphor reminds us of pearls, they say, but we must address of where to survive the planet. Unless they are saved and turned from their wicked ways, unless they are washed in the blood by faith, unless they are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, unless they are watching, ready, and waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ, they will never be able to survive on the planet. Secondly, who is it decides what time it is on the clock? That's a good one, isn't it? Who decides this? Now I'm taking this from their own website and their own writings. I scored over it for hours and I had to pick parts because there was too much on it. Who is it who decides what time it is on the clock? Well, a group called the Science and Security Board decides. 
This board is comprised of a group of globally recognized leaders. Surprise, surprise. With a specific focus on nuclear risk. Now listen. And this has had the change over the years. With a specific focus on nuclear risk. You ready? Climate change. Disruptive technologies. We'll look at it in a moment in one of our other, our next point, or maybe one of the points. Notice this, a group called the Science and Security Board. We've all heard of Albert Einstein, haven't we? Yeah? He was a German Jew. Uh, uh, theory, theory, I think he's a theoretical physicist and so many other things. We all heard the name. And I'm sure we've all now, by this year anyway, I, I'm sure many hadn't, unless they'd read some recent history, they'd heard of Julius Robert Oppenheimer. Who's heard of Oppenheimer? Big movie in the, uh, in the cinema. He was actually from Prussia. That is the old kingdom where parts of Russia, Poland, and Germany were together, and the Prussians were there. He was a, came from a Jewish family there. And they all made their way to the United States. Now listen, they weren't practicing. But these men got together in 1945. In fact, they got together to to make the nuclear bomb. Dropped it on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. But they got together afterwards, and in 1947, along with the University of Chicago Santos, who helped develop the nuclear or the atomic bomb, they started formulating this warning from them of this timepiece. And they started on what was known as the, the, the Manhattan Project right through. And they got together after it and they said, right, we need to now set a formula that we will have a doomsday clock. The doomsday clock was created in 1947 after the Second World War. In 1947, you ready? In 1947, it was set at seven minutes to midnight. When do you get this? It was set at seven minutes to midnight. Not much time there. This is after the Second World War, 1947. And since 1947, it has been set backward. You could, if things they deem to be going a different way, they'll set it back a few seconds or minutes or whatever. It's been set backwards eight times from 1947. Set backward eight times. But it's been set forward 17 times. 17 times from 1947. The farthest the clock has ever been away from midnight has been 17 minutes from midnight. And it was set in 1991 after the fall of the Soviet Union and the Cold War arms race and things like that. They set it back. Away back to 17 minutes to midnight. The nearest it has been in its history was set last January. That is not January here 24, but 23. It has not been put back one second up until this night, February 24. And it's set tonight at 90 seconds to midnight. It's the closest it's ever been. And they're saying, when it gets to midnight... Doomsday. We're done for. 
You ever wonder why you're being told that there's going to come a time you're not allowed to eat meat? And you're not allowed to drive a car with diesel or petrol. It's going to be electric. And you're not going to be able to work with cash. It's going to be all digital. It's going to be a crash. And so, see, this is all the doomsday clock. It's nothing to do with it. Of course, there's the wars that we're, we know about in the world today, not only with Ukraine and Russia, and the threat of that, and telling our own country here and uh, 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 the United Kingdom and they're telling saying get ready to conscript your young people into war to go to war thirdly how do they decide what time it is well I've touched on it but let me just expand it a bit the bulletin of the atomic scientists say that Say what midnight and global catastrophe really mean in a particular year, they'll decide where the clock should be. And this will include, you ready? Politics. In other words, the men, the leaders, the G20s, all of them of the world will get together and they will decide. Politics, there will be men against men and women against women in high places, politics. Secondly, energy. Energy. I'll tell you something. I was told this by Pastor Glenn yesterday, but this is just, an, an, it's not verbatim. But Tucker Carlson interviewed Vladimir Putin. And Vladimir Putin, everybody's saying he's nuts. But in the interview, he was compass mantis and very straight, calculated thinking. And then Tucker Carlson talks to him about these things, and he doesn't want to go into war, he says. Now listen. Afterwards, Tucker Carlson goes out to see what it's like to shop in Russia, thinking it's going to be astronomical. And what he bought in Russia, you know where you, there's all the sanctions on in Russia? Do you know what he got? Everything you thought was stopped in sanctions was in Russia. There's no sanctions the way they're saying there's sanctions. Everything in the shelves of what we can have, they're not stopping it. And when he got his bill at the end, it was a fraction of what we're paying in the West. You know what that's telling me? That's telling me that all our global leaders, all of the West, they're all getting you to pay through the nose that every one of us have become slaves to the system. Taxed on everything and slaves to the system. Now maybe you're getting a clear understanding of the war that they're threatening about. They want to get Putin into. So there's politics, there's energy. Remember all the electric prices went up? Still up. Fuel? Still up. Weapons, we've looked at that. Diplomacy, climate change, nuclear threat. You ready? Bioterrorism. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Remember we're all locked down. Remember a bot made us all sick in China. 
so-called, remember? Remember we all, the whole world gets sick because of a bat, remember? Bioterrorism. Ninety seconds to midnight. Here's another one, and this is one of the new ones. Artificial intelligence. See now, it's getting to the point they can't control it. It's taken on a mind and a brain of, their own, of its own. You know what that means? Remember Terminator, the movie in the 80s? You thought, that's wacky, that's weird, Dad. When all the, the remember all this, the, 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 the machines and all the robots now were fighting against and wiping out humanity? Well, that's what they're afraid of now. That's what's happening. And they're saying, well, this is going out of hand. Sure, it's even on your news now. They've been telling us that in hilly weird for years, programming our minds. And now these scientists for all this time have brought us right up to almost midnight and they're saying, 90 seconds to go. I wonder will the world survive? Well, I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters. Whether there's 90 seconds or 9 seconds, I'm not worried. I'm not afraid. I don't care. Do you know why? Because I'm redeemed by the blood. See, this book tells me I'm saved by sovereign grace. This book tells me I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit. And this book tells me Jesus is coming to get me. And he's coming to get you too. Will you praise him tonight? Will you praise him tonight? So that's a warning from the world to the world. But here's a warning to the, from the word to the world. We are all in a yom, the period of time. We all have zaman at a season appointed times in our lives. And we will have the eighth, the actual happening. It will come. Either Christ will break the skies. The skies will roll back like a scroll. Can you imagine? Can you imagine heaven invading earth? Oh, there's, they're talking about aliens and spaceships. Everywhere you go, there's somebody's video on a so-called spaceship and all of this. Who's seen all of those sort of things? I'm, uh, just two of us? Well, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm seeing spaceships, am I? These three of us, you know. Spaceships and all. Have you ever heard a leg of it in your life? I'm going to tell you something. There's prominent... I want to be careful. There's prominent... Bible scholars, some of them have passed away now, so they don't want to say too much. But know what they said? Even the angels need a spaceship. And Ezekiel saw angels coming down on a spaceship. Have you ever heard the like of it in your life? A spirit being sent from heaven, from the portals of God, from the very throne of grace, to help his people. And they're going to need a spaceship. Lord, help us. Crazy. Lunatics. I said I was going to be careful too. <laughs> I want to offend any of my brethren and my sisters, but this is nuts. But this is where it's got us. Wheels within wheels and chariots of fire. That's a spaceship. It's a vision of God. It was a vision. You turn with me to Mark 13. Time's flowing, and look at the time it is. Uh, Mark 13. I want to read a bit of scripture here. 
And I'll not keep this too much much longer. Mark 13, please. Let your eye run down. Verse 32. Listen to the Lord Jesus. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take heed. Watch and pray, for you knoweth not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants. Notice, give authority to his servants and do every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Now, brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus said, speaking of himself, the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus, is as a man going on a far journey. He ascended into heaven, glorified and is at the right hand of the Father. Far journey into heaven. Notice what it says. When he went, what does it say? Who left his house and gave what? What's the word? Say it again. Oh, come on. I'm trying my best here. I'm parboiled up here. What did he give? It's time you remembered it. It's time every blood-washed Christian remembered it. Authority. Authority. Christ left us with authority. What is the authority? There's it there. Thus saith the Lord. Listen, I might be a sinner saved by grace, but I'll tell you what I am. I'm a son right standing with the king. I'm a child of the king. Blood-washed, born-again son. And so are you if you're saved tonight. He's given us authority. We must stand by the rule of this. No matter what the doomsday clock says. They might all be doomed. I'm not doomed. I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the upper taker. I'm looking for the upper taker. Notice what he says here. He give authority to his servants and to every man his work. How you come? How you carrying that out, brothers and sisters? Are you faithful in it? And commanded the porter to watch. I would say to every minister that stands behind a pulpit, are you watching? Are you sounding the alarm? Notice this. Wherefore, or pardon me, to watch. Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh at even. Or at, what's the word? Shout it out. Midnight or at cock crowing or in the morning. Less coming suddenly. There's the earth. The time had he come. Less coming suddenly. He finds you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Give me five minutes, will you? Is that all right? Five minutes. I know I said it was closing. The last one. That's a preacher's I'm going to close. You know the Apostle Paul said three times, and finally, brethren. And finally, brethren. <laughs> and he goes, and finally, brethren. So, and finally, brethren and sisters. See in verse 35, midnight. It's the word, mesonuktion. Mesonuktion. It's made up of two words. Mesos, M-E-S-O-S, okay? Which means in the middle or in the midst of something. Okay, mesos and nux, N-O-K-S, or English running right, N-U-X. Nux, 
and it just means night. Now listen, see in Greek mythology and the, the Greek which our Lord had spoken it in, or we have it in our New Testament then. In Greek mythology, the goddess of the night, the goddess that they believed of the night was called Nux. Nux. Same word. They believed there was a, a, a god of the night called Nux, a goddess. She was a daughter. Do you know what her name, her mother's, her mother's name was? She was the daughter of the so-called goddess Chaos. Chaos. She allegedly had a brother who became her lover, they said, some say, and his name was Erebus, the god who personifies darkness. The symbology of nukes of the night, the goddess child of the so-called goddess Chaos, the sister of Erebus, the personification of darkness. Do you know what it was? It was the sun and the moon and the stellar constellations. All fixed in order. It gives you the idea of an order. Now listen. Strange that they have minutes to midnight or 90 seconds, one minute, one and a half minutes to midnight. In Freemasonry, in the, the quote of the 33 degree Masons is, out of chaos comes order. That's Nukes' mommy, chaos. Comes order, stellar constellation set. We can read these. Sat in the darkness of Erebus. It means that the situation will be engineered. Notice. The situation will be engineered into a chaos to achieve a certain objective. This is from the 33 degree Masons. I'm going to read it again. It doesn't mean that out of out of chaos emerges order, because that would be nice. Sounds nice, doesn't it? But it means that the situation will be engineered into a chaos. Engineered into chaos. To achieve a certain objective, and then the situation will be engineered again into order. We had chaos around the world. Chaos in every nation. Chaos in every country. Chaos in every home for years there. Chaos when they locked us up and locked us out. Chaos when they told us what to do. Chaos when they told us to wear a mask everywhere and we could hardly breathe the fresh air God gave us. It was chaos everywhere. And now they settled it all down and they said, here comes order. Out of chaos comes order. Engineered. Their, their motto is Ordo Ab Keo. And another one is Lux in Tenebrous. You know what that means? Light out of darkness. I have too much material. I'm going to stop with this. 
In John chapter 1. Now listen, you want to see what's going to... See, light doesn't come out of darkness. Do you know that? Light shines into darkness. Light doesn't come out of darkness. Darkness is darkness. In fact, darkness only exists where there's an absence of light. Light doesn't, darkness doesn't have a light in it to shine it out. The very darkness of our own hearts before we're saved, we couldn't save ourselves and shine out the glorious light of God. God had to shine the light of the glorious gospel into our hearts, shine into us to save us. Listen to John chapter 1 and verse 1. We'll tell you what comes out of the darkness and conquers it. Any wonder Christ is coming from the skies. He's shown his lordship and sovereignty over it. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Listen, all things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Listen to verse 4, and we're going to verse 5. In Him. The Word, the Lord Jesus, in Him was life. And the life was the light of man. Men in darkness, darkened hearts, light of man. Listen to verse 5. And the light shineth where? In the darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. The word uh, comprehended there means... It's a big word in Catalambo. Gives the idea to come down. The darkness couldn't. You're the light and I'm the darkness, Billy. The darkness couldn't come down and go like this to Billy. You're the light. I'm going to overtake you. <laughs> I'm going to conquer you. <laughs> He's going to punch me there too. That's the idea of it. To lay hold on. To grapple with. And the darkness cannot lay hold on the light of God nor grapple with it. He overcomes all the darkness in our hearts and in the world and he's going to overcome the darkness of hell. Brothers and sisters, you and I are saved by grace, washed in the blood. He is the light of the world. That's why he shines into our darkness. Are you saved? Once heaven seemed a far off place till Jesus showed his smiling face. Now it's begun. Within my soul, twill last while endless ages roll. Oh, hallelujah, yes, his hand, his hand to know my
Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he wonderful? I know we're keeping you late tonight, but sure. You'll only be sitting in the house with a big bit of toast, getting the calories in and the loads of butter on it and all. Sounds nice though, doesn't it? <laughs> a cup of tea and probably sticking the old TV on and it's watching something stupid on it and something daft and something that'll perforate your soul and you know you better under the sound of the word place with God oh saved tonight. Christ died that you might be ready. The doomsday clock says 90 seconds, but I'll tell you, that's 90 seconds to midnight. But see the midnight of the Lord, we don't know how close we are in our lives to that midnight. We don't know how close in our lives we are to the midnight of his coming, nor of your calling. God says, enough is enough. May you get right with God tonight and see us and talk to us. I'm just talking while, while he's building the house. See us and talk to us. I'll point you to Christ.